welcome. I'm Uri. And I'm Rifki, and you're listening to Talking Tachlis, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. So, Rifki, I always hate to say I told you so, but I wanted to follow up on something. Good start. Thanks. I wanted to follow up on something <laughs> we talked about last week, namely the Ben and Jerry's fiasco controversy, right? So, mm-hmm. if you recall last week, um, you brought up the fact that the Ben and Jerry's boycott, if you want to call it, or just like stopping to sell um, to parts of Israel was only for the parts of Israel over the Green Line or the West Bank or the occupied Palestinian um, territory, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. Judea and Samaria, and not um, boycotting Israel proper. And therefore, this is like a nuanced stance and is not BDS and should not be treated as BDS. Is that correct, what you said? Uh, as far as I remember. <laughs> okay, so... Let's play the tape. I find there's something very principled from Ben and Jerry's here to say, no, look, well, we're not saying that yeah. Israel is evil. We're not saying that Israel should end. We have a problem with the occupied territories. Which, yeah, right? well, this is the first we step. Have a let's see what the they West do next. Bank. Let's see in a few years. Yeah, let's sure, see. But I, are, it turns out that the Ben and Jerry's board that made this decision actually wanted to boycott all of Israel. And it was Unilever, the parent company, that overrode them. But not only that, the yeah, I saw that. The chairperson of the Ben & Jerry's board, her name is Anuradha Mittal, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, she was quoted as saying the following. The statement released by Ben & Jerry's regarding its operation in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory does not reflect the position of the independent board, nor was it approved by the independent board. By taking a position and publishing a statement without the approval of the independent board on an issue directly related to Ben & Jerry's social mission and brand integrity, Unilever and its CEO at Ben & Jerry's are in violation of the spirit and the letter of the acquisition agreement, meaning that the board wanted to boycott all of Israel and they were overridden And she's very upset about that. She went on to say, I can't stop thinking that this is what happens when you have a board with all women and people of color who have been pushing to do the right thing. She said that Unilever is trying to destroy the soul of the company. We want this company to be led by values and not be dictated by the parent company. So she even goes so far in classic woke fashion to make this about race and gender in addition to wanting to boycott all of Israel. So... I'm not rubbing this in your face or anything, but I'm, I want to ask you, does this Wait, change? Wait, sorry, rubbing yeah. what in my face? Well, <laughs> I don't because, even know. <laughs> well, because you said that the, the this should not be seen as BDS. They're not trying to boycott Israel. Like we shouldn't, you know, but they were trying to boycott Israel and they were trying to do what BDS does. So does this change your perspective on the issue at all? Right. Okay. So I guess there are two questions. Question number one is realistically or logistically, who actually has power? But the second question is more of a Hushkafic question. It's philosophically, they wanted to boycott the state. It sounds like philosophically, they wanted to boycott the entire state of Israel, right? And there were no kind of, uh, uh, qualifiers. There were no kind of, yeah, sure. It was not as like nuanced as like, oh, inside the Green Line, that's like, nothing mm-hmm. like that. They philosophically wanted to do this whole thing. And even though they maybe don't actually have the power to do that, does the fact that they wanted to mean that that's enough that we should boycott them, even if we wouldn't have boycotted them if they were just selling over the green line? Is that is that your question? Yeah, kind of. I mean, we're boycotting because of what they did slash wanted to do. 
Well, who, not, who's we here? Or, or we, the people who are boycotting. Ben is the Jerry's. talking talkless budget going to stop going to ice cream? <laughs> All okay, that we'll have to that discuss that with our board. After every episode. <laughs> <laughs> or during. Right. Um, no, I mean, it's an interesting question. You know, um, the fact that the, they were, the Ben and Jerry's board does not have ultimate control and they would have wanted well, to do Well, they say something. that they should have ultimate control because there was an agreement when Ben and Jerry's sold to Unilever, apparently, that their board, because even then they were, they've always been very into social activism, not just anti-Israel stuff. So the the deal was that they, their board would retain um, power and control over these type of uh-huh. issues and now they're claiming that Unilever overstepped that agreement and they're pushing back. So uh, uh, yeah, so what I read was that uh, the independent board of directors wanted to do this but Unilever stopped them. So I guess it, it, it you're right, it's sort of unclear legally who actually has right. the ultimate it's authority conflict, and uh, yeah. I guess that will work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- but that's not the question that you're asking. You're asking the, the philosophical question of sort of like whether they fundamentally do it or not, the fact that they want to, right. is that enough to to kind of push people who are saying, okay, it's not as bad as or we think, whatever. Or should that be taken into consideration beyond just what actually is being done right at the right, moment right i don't know i don't i don't have an mm-hmm. answer i think it's a it's an important question obviously but i'm not sure of the i i'm not sure to what extent it's about kind of the the direction you want to go in versus the ex- direction you actually do go in i'm yeah. not sure what do you think well i mean i i said last week um even without knowing the full story that i just don't feel like eating ben and jerry's anymore um it's a good it's a good you also said to, it's because you just uh, don't care so much. I, I know, I know. It's a good, it's a good excuse to just be a little healthier, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> a couple of things. I looked into this woman a little bit. I looked at her Twitter feed, um, Anuradha Mittal, and she she's posted or retweeted a couple of things that were blatantly anti-Semitic. I would say, um, including oh, like what? Okay, Give some examples. she retweeted um, this guy whose name is in Arabic, so I can't read it. But it's basically like this poster that says the extremist Yehuda Glick announced his intention to organize two raids on the, quote, memorial of the destruction of the temple. And that's in quotes, meaning it, as if it's it's not real, that the temple didn't exist, which falls on the day of Arafat, 2021, um, July 18th. He devoted the storming to collecting money for his personal organization, the Jerusalem Peace Foundation, which is concerned with promoting the Judaization of Al-Aqsa and organizing the incursions. Okay, so she's accusing this guy, Yehuda Glick, who is known as like a provocateur. Um, right temple rights activist on the on the Jewish side he's she's accusing him or retweeting this this thing that's accusing him of um, inciting a raid or planning a raid on the Temple Mount um, and I, I I googled extensively Yehuda Glick uh, by just the name the, the raid this was just a couple weeks ago could not find anything all I found is uh, a New York Times article like the only th- closest thing was New York Times article talking about how on Tishabov um, Jews went up to the Temple Mount and it caused the whole thing because some of them were praying and then some people, like some government, Israeli government officials talked about prayer on the Temple Mount, which is like, would change the status quo, which is always what people always talk about. The status quo is that Jews are not allowed to pray. And, he, and Yehuda Glick was quoted as saying Jews should be able to pray or something like that. So if him saying Jews should be able to pray on the Temple Mount, that's called organizing a raid on the Temple Mount on Al-Aqsa. Like, it's just like a very incendiary and very extreme. I think even liberal Jews wouldn't um, post something right. like I'm that. Agreed, I'm agreed with everything you're saying. I just don't know why that... Wh- where's your implication about anti-Semitism? Because for, for like over 100 years, every time um, Palestinians or Muslims want to incite a riot against Jews, they say that the Jews are taking over Al-Aqsa and then, and then 
Muslims go out and, and kill Israelis. That's that's just what happens over and over, and that's what that's clearly what she's latching onto here for something that has zero um, truth to it. I couldn't find one single thing that that came anywhere close to to saying what she's saying. Anyway, this is that's a side point. I, I'm just saying that I think she's an anti-Semite, and I think she's like a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> side point. But on the other side, more interesting and more close to home for us. Listen, Rifki, more close to home for us is the fact that I saw. I think it was in Australia the kosher certification that that. Yep. Gives a to Ben and Jerry's said they're taking that away. A lot of stores around the world, which we already said last week, are not supplying Ben and Jerry's. And now there's pressure on the Chaf K, which is the organization who gives the certification to Ben and Jerry's in America. I actually know the, the person who, who runs the Chaf K. He lives in Teaneck. Didn't we, did we interview him? No, we, we interviewed um, somebody who works for the Chaf K. He's not the CEO. Oh. Um, that was Danny Center. Um, he, we can maybe reach out to him and ask him uh, if, if he wants to share with us what's going on there. But they're getting a lot of pressure to, to take away the certification. And that, honestly, personally, I think they should not do because I think, um, yes, Ben and Jerry started it. They got political with ice cream where, where politics should not belong. But taking away the hechsher, taking away the certification, I think is just asking for trouble. And I don't think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, we we had episodes in the past where we talked about kosher, and we've talked about kosher organizations, um, and I think it, one of the one of the arguments that that I made strongly, and I, I think you ultimately agree with, is that when the politicization, what a word, Uri, the politicization um, of Kashrut is what makes people cynical about kosher organizations, right? And there are a million examples that we can talk about um, from plenty of places and we uh we've interviewed people this this is it's what makes a lot of people feel like i don't care about kosher because i don't know that it's actually related to kosher at all you're saying it should right? just I, be I don't about know. the the food itself is the food kosher or is the food not kosher I, i'm not saying what it should or shouldn't be mm-hmm. i'm saying as a socio as a sociological phenomenon one of the reasons that people are a little bit cynical about kosher and about kosher organizations is because they don't feel like it is purely reflective of what's actually going on um, yes, I think that's that's fair. And like I said, I don't think um, they should get involved here, except for the fact that there is a lot of talk and it's on the other side, like the people who want this wouldn't want that and vice versa. But, you know, what mm. about when it comes to the treatment of animals? What about even even more removed, the treatment and the payment to the workers in the factories that make the food? Should that come into play when it comes to um, certification? You know what I mean? So that also could be say, seen as political or extraneous to the food itself. But a lot of people would would want that. So it's not so yeah. simple. It, it's a definitely a complicated issue, and I, I don't—I actually don't even know if I agree that the it should totally be purely about the ingredients. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I feel like it is uh, confusing, but I totally agree that consistency is so important, and mm-hmm. I think the inconsistency is one of the big reasons that you yeah. know people. People don't don't trust it, um, but I'm sure this is a developing story. And, Definitely. Uh, or I actually early this morning looked in my freezer because I was just curious, and there are currently six pints oh of God. different Ben and Jerry's flavors sitting there. So, uh, and you're waiting before eating it. You're waiting to see wh- how this resolves, or or what? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I, the truth is that I try to not eat ice cream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Too often, so I'm gonna try. I, I try Friday, Arab Shabbos, Arab Shabbos, uh-huh. good sheet. That, okay. That's that's my okay. rule. Okay. Um, I mean, I, did I have ice cream today? That's not the point, Uri. It's Arab Shabbos. Okay. But well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. We'd love to hear feedback from our listeners. We're following the story, and then before going into the next segment, we're, we want to play an audio clip. This is actually um, Rifki, somebody who you at least used to um, support very much, um, our mayor Bill De Blasio, um, talking about this uh, controversy. Uh, I, um, I, I can say I will not be eating any more Cherry Garcia for a while. Um, 
I, I, that's sad to me. That's sad to me. I, I don't know them well, but I've met them over the years, and I think they're good people, literally Ben and Jerry. I think they're good people with good values, but this is a mistake. They shouldn't do this. Uh, BDS is a movement that will undermine peace in the Middle East. It's as simple as that. So as Rifki mentioned last week, the two big Jewish stories everyone seems to have been talking about for the past two weeks are Ben and Jerry's and the Netflix reality show, My Unorthodox Life. The show's protagonist is Julia Hart, a former member of the Orthodox Jewish community of Muncie who left that community and became a successful CEO of a modeling conglomerate. The show also follows her four children and one son-in-law, who vary on the spectrum of Orthodox observance. For those who have never heard of the show and are interested, you can look up the trailer or read reviews about it. I won't elaborate more on the plot. But I assume by this point, most of our listeners have either watched the show, at least part of it, or have been following the heated debate surrounding the show on social media. Many people have accused Hart and Netflix of spreading inflammatory and misleading information about the Orthodox community, with some claiming that the show will increase animosity towards Orthodox Jews and increase anti-Semitism. Part of the backlash to the show was a social media trend that gained a lot of momentum, which was hashtag my Orthodox life, where Orthodox women talked about all the opportunities they have, how they don't agree with Hart's depiction of Orthodox Judaism, and why they are thankful to be members of the Orthodox community. There are a lot of questions we can ask, and a lot of elements here to discuss. One question is, do we think Julia and the show give a fair representation of Orthodox Judaism? But is that even a fair question to ask about a reality show like this? Another question is, Rifki, would you want to be in a reality show that followed you and your family? <laughs> or our listeners, think about yourselves. Would you want to be in a show like that? Do we have a problem with the fact that the show is so invasive into these people's lives, including Julia's youngest son, Aaron, who is only 14 years old? I guess it all comes down to one main question. Is this good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? Rifki? <laughs> I mean, I guess... Okay, first of all, I, sh I should say that we're going to try not to do too many, but there obviously might be some spoilers. So if you want to watch and you haven't yet watched and you, I mean, you, what have you probably been doing with your should life? have already <laughs> turned it off. Oh, that's true, too. Are you so busy? Come on. Um, but no, if you're, if you're trying to avoid spoilers, I would say turn it off and, and come back when, come back after you've listened. So, I mean, Uri, I guess the question, good for the Jews, bad for the Jews, I don't know. Or I, I guess I, I want to hear your, your perspective, because as I was watching the show, I just felt like I was like laughing to myself kind of most of the time. Like, I don't think it really got me as as upset. And I know a lot of people did get much more upset by it, but I just kind of thought the whole thing felt a little bit ludicrous in like a funny way. Um, but I guess I, I I kind of imagine that your thoughts are a little bit more extreme on this. Maybe I'm wrong, extreme. but I would love to hear. I would fundamentalist. Love to hear your maybe? Yeah, you're a fundamentalist. Ari. Come on. <laughs> Um, okay. So By the way, my, yeah. one of my favorite lines is when Aaron's talking to his friend and he's like, I don't remember what, what the amount of money, but he's like, oh, if I had a dollar every time my mother said fundamentalism. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was very unfair. Speaking of Aaron, we can jump right to that. Like the only voice in the show that really pushes back against Julia and gives any kind of defense or explanation in a positive sense of the orthodox um, community is our own and it's really unfair because he's 14 years old and he's just basically probably parroting things that he's heard which is not his fault that's what anybody yeah. at 14 would do like and that escalator line right like, right oh. it's a little cringy but like 
he's a very sweet kid, and it, and it's not yeah. it's not fair to him, and it's really I think I wouldn't say irresponsible. They can make the show about whatever they want, but like he's he is really the only voice um, pushing back against Julia. And even considering that, though, he has some great lines, um, like the one that you quoted, where he really does um, point some out some of her silliness. Um, I also like when they're um, they're supposed to take the helicopter, but then it gets canceled because of rain, and she's freaking out. She's like, oh, "I guess we're gonna have to take a car like crazy people." And then Aaron's like, "Like normal people?" Right, right. Um, uh, yeah. Head on his shoulders. There, there, there's so much um, to to get to here. I guess. Oh, or let, yeah. let me let me just let me ask. Focus. You, okay. Um, do you think that people watching the show? are going to walk, let's say not people like me and you, not people who have a background or, and have, have been to Muncie, have spent time in Orthodox communities, either growing up with it or having family members or friends or whatever, not people who have association already within the Orthodox community, people who have never met an Orthodox Jew, people living in, in a random place, yeah. in a random country or a random city. Do you think that people walking away from this show are going to say to themselves, wow, this is like Orthodox people suck? Yeah, it's so hard for me and I guess you to say that just based on our own perspectives because we're so mm-hmm. biased and we have our own, you know, insular or whatever. Um, we, we know so much about the Orthodox community and uh, we aren't not Jewish and not Orthodox. So who knows? You know, we would have to hear from, from somebody like that. I mean, I think it's definitely possible. And I think, ironically, even though she's leaving Orthodox Judaism and pushing back against it and some of the a lot of the backlash is about how she's criticizing Orthodox Judaism. She is also playing into a classic Jewish stereotype of the rich over the top, uh, you know, um, wealth. And so that, oh, I it, didn't think about that, that in itself, I think could potentially cause animosity. That's not really her fault. I mean, I don't blame them for, be, for being successful and wealthy. I, I think overall, just to, to get this out there, my main problem with the show um, when I think of it as, as objectively as I can, is less about its depiction of Orthodox Judaism, because I think um, Orthodox Jews need to be secure enough in their belief and in their way of way of life that it's like a, a silly Netflix show shouldn't shatter their whole um, self-perception. Um, and not that I think it does. I think it's more about they're worried about what other people are going to think. But the things that really bother me about the show are the things that would probably bother me about any reality show like this, even though I don't really watch reality shows. It's just like the over-the-top materialism, um, the narcissism, the selfishness um, of, of the characters, and the fact that they are Jewish and her, you know, her kids still identify as Orthodox along the spectrum, like I said, whatever bothers me a little bit upsets me a little bit you know it's like again i'm a capitalist i think you said yourself that you're a capitalist also i don't think being wealthy is is um a bad thing per se but um we we had a whole episode about this about materialism in the orthodox or modern orthodox community you know the fact that she drives a rolls royce um i I don't know should (laughs) should should an orthodox person not that she's orthodox but should an orthodox person drive a rolls royce maybe not um so it's just like the -the over-the-top materialism is what probably bothered me most of all when it comes to the depiction of um, orthodoxy and Judaism, I'm not sure. Again, I think we need to be secure in our own thing. We could push back. People can say this is one story. She's valid. Her perception is valid. I don't like the I don't like the the attitude that I've seen from some people of like she's just completely lying and mischaracterizing her, her, the whole community that she came from. Like maybe on certain things she is because the show is obviously fake in a lot of ways and probably exaggerates some of the things and some mm-hmm. of her background. That I do think is true. But to say that uh, no, it's not true. Women are not repressed at all. Women can do whatever they want. They have every opportunity. Like 
like, that's not exactly true. And if somebody has that experience of feeling repressed and not feeling that they were able to achieve what they wanted to or thought they could have or whatever, that's valid. And I don't think that should be silenced, you know, um, but mm-hmm. people should. And if people have other experiences, they should share those experiences. And like you said last week, also, if people you, you even know some people who, who have talents of writing and, and creating I'm videos waiting. and movies, I'm waiting. let them make a show that shows the other side <laughs> and, and whatever. But um, I don't know. So what, those are some of my thoughts that you, now what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, the truth is that, Uri, this might be very boring because I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Because the truth is that as I was watching the show, I was a lot less concerned about the depiction of orthodoxy, especially because every orthodox character on the show, the people who identify as orthodox, they seem pretty normal, right? Her ex-husband, Yosef, mm-hmm. seems like a, a mensch guy. and a great dad. Yeah. Her sister who her sister and her, her family, uh, maybe those kids are a little bratty, but uh, you know, they seem <laughs> like perfectly normal people, right? Yeah. All of the children, I think all of Julia, except for Miriam, all of the other children identify as Orthodox mm-hmm. and seem like, you know, fine kids. Like, look, they have problems that probably come as much from extreme wealth as from a fundamentalist quote-unquote background, right? right? So I don't know. Like, it it doesn't seem to me that people are going to walk away feeling like, wow, this, or feeling like orthodoxy is so negative. The only orthodox people you're exposed to are not that bad. She she uses she when she tells stories about her childhood or not just her childhood but also her adulthood. There are things that she really struggled with, and I really really sympathize and to a certain extent relate. There are ways in which orthodoxy is very hard, both if you're a woman and want certain things, but also if you're outside the box in plenty of ways. You right. know, it really is it really is hard to be fighting against the mold. And she talks about, you know, how she really ended up leaving because of her daughter, Miriam, who was a rebel, who fought against the mold. And that was a big part of why she she decided to kind of make the jump. Um, but I think fundamentally, the orthodoxy or the anti-orthodoxy is not something that I had like a major issue with of the show. I felt much more like I the, the superficiality where it comes mm-hmm. both to the finances of the whole thing. She, you know, she talks about how much she wants her kids to be independent and to grow her own their own thing, but she also gives she them all these cushy, all yeah, exactly, like ridiculousness. They, they're con- entirely on her dime, which is fine. I'm not, I mean, I don't think it's fine, but whatever. It's, it's, it, that to me feels way more upsetting in watching the show. Mm-hmm. But also what I'm really curious about, I'm not curious. What I, what I really felt myself thinking a lot about watching the show is about sexuality, right? Mm. Because she thinks a lot about sexuality. She thinks about sexuality of orthodoxy, where she felt completely repressed, mm-hmm. not just in terms of actual sex, but it was always about men. She felt like she had to be covered up because of men. She had to, her body had to be covered up because of men. She couldn't right. sing because of men. She couldn't dance because of men. She couldn't be herself. She Patriarchy, felt like because of men. Patriarchy, you could say. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and and misogyny and all of these things that I and I really understand where she's coming from, and I think to a very large extent it's absolutely correct, and I think it is something that makes orthodoxy very difficult for for many women. Um, but at the same time, she talks about the freedom that comes with the quote unquote secular world, which I, I love that they use the same language that orthodox, right. you know, that well, orthodox they, that's world, what sort they, of like, no, yeah. like oh, like secular college. I'm like. Other people just call it college. Right, <laughs> it right. kills me. Um, but, you know, this this new world where she's like, oh, now, like, not only am I going to fully not cover up, she pressures her, her daughters to not cover up. She pressures her son to talk to girls, Aaron, who wants to be a little bit more from. The, the, but she also recognizes that there are huge flaws with secular society when it comes to sexuality, right? There's that whole episode about the models who right. were harassed and pressured and abused. But she sees like, oh, those are problems, but like, She's I want to help solve change it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, 
but with orthodoxy, that's obviously a naive thing, right? For when orthodox women are like, I'm so empowered, you're crazy. Like, it's the same way to say like, no, 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 with freedom comes this empowerment, you're crazy. Like, either way, we, and this is a larger rant I could go on, but either way, we women are relating to how men see us, right? Like, when I'm an orthodox woman and I'm dressing a certain way, it is consciously or unconsciously very often about the way I'm being perceived by men. Like, that's halacha t- mm-hmm. uses that language. Okay. And in the same way, right, why do women wear, why does Julia wear the clothes that she wears? Why do women in general wear skimpy clothes? You know, not, not in general, obviously yeah. not everyone does, but why do women wear these kinds of heels? And why do women, like all of these things, and we're lying to ourselves is we're not saying that there's a patriarchy and a misogyny built into society, which is doing the exact same thing. So for women for for Julia to say like I'm free of that right. and now I'm entering this whole world it, it's the same thing and it's they're both very sad and upsetting to me yeah I, think. I hear that that's a very interesting point I think what you just said is actually pretty controversial and uh, you know because I think someone like Julia whether whether you believe her or not she'd probably say no I dress like this for myself this is my self expression and has nothing to do with wanting to a lot of from women say from the women, same thing yeah right but I'm just saying like that, that's like what I've heard called like you know, we've talked about like you know third wave feminism Beyonce feminism where it's like it's not in order to impress men it's just to feel good about yourself and if somebody else says hey you're why are you dressing so skimpily you're just trying to get men's attention and, and whatever that's actually like a horribly uh, offensive thing to accuse a woman of and uh, so I'm not yeah, gonna I mean, go it's there, a little but. it's a little patronizing but look <laughs> like I I I'm a Democrat. I am. I'm patronizing. I believe that people, <laughs> you know, like this. This is. And, and I, I'm. I'm half joking and half serious, right? Like we are the product of both ourselves and our own free will and of society. And the truth is that I really strongly believe that the way, the reason, a lot, like you know, women might say to themselves over and over, you know, I like the way my legs feel when I wax, when I shave, when I, you know, like when I, when I mm-hmm. uh, get my legs lasered. And that might be true. I like the way they feel, I like the way they look, all these things. But why? Why do you like that? Because society has conditioned you to like that, right? It's not arbitrary. This is not, it's not just come out of like, and if it, if it were arbitrary, it wouldn't be 95% of women, right? Like, it's not like, oh, what a crazy coincidence, right? This is how society has has made us kind of believe is is something we should be doing and we, we should care about. Right. So, so you're saying the firm community is not the only community with a patriarchy problem. The secular um, community, uh, if you want to call it that, has... has- Different, but uh, equally as as pressing uh, issues and problems um, when when it comes to patriarchy and sexuality, it just may be on the reverse end of the spectrum, and that's that's an interesting point. I think getting maybe we could veer back to the show and save some of that conversation for for the next feminist um, episode we do. But I mean, I, I think we'd both agree that when, when it comes to that type of conversation, let's say that you're that you're raising, which is like very nuanced and very. Um, complicated. Um, this show is not the the best um, platform for you know for engaging in that conversation. Julia Hart, as um, intelligent and successful as, as she may be, does at least in the show come across as being pretty immature and not the most intellectually um, minded uh, proponent of of women's rights and feminism. I think would you agree with that statement? 
yeah, I mean, she's definitely not coming from an intellectual. No, perspective. meaning like like well, even, what do you mean? Even her her own kids um, are mad at her and criticize her when there's that one scene where um, she gets in touch with a young woman from Muncie right, who right, wants right. to leave the community, and Julia invites her to come over to to their house or to the, to the office to show her around, and then and then instead of like giving her career advice, instead of like right. asking working on her resume with her, she gives her a makeover, does her hair, gives her new clothes, and gives her a vibrator, and and her right. own kids are like mom what are you doing that's not helping her and yep. uh you know so so yeah she's but like that that's her right and that that was actually one of the reasons i actually wrote down i, I rated uh, the the different characters i'm like who do i like and who do i not like you know <laughs> and one of the reasons that i think um i think that um batsheva and Binyamin, who are two of the batsheva the oldest is daughter her yeah is her her oldest and then Binyamin is her husband. Right. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that I, I kind of like about them. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I like is that I feel like Batsheva, because she was a little bit older when her mother left the community, even though she, they all kind of are obsessed with getting their mother's approval in a way that <laughs> right. I think many of us it's watching are like, why? <laughs> but well, I think Batsheva in... Well, we can, we can get Whatever. into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think Batsheva, I, I did really appreciate where she was like, kind of saw how ridiculous her mother was being and, and her in mother cases, and, and yeah. yeah and Julia pushed back right with that particular woman Julia said you know like before you really know and love yourself you can't actually you know do what you need to do in the world and Batsheva's like yeah but like makeup is not that like you're you're and, which is funny because Batsheva wears a lot of makeup and yeah. her career is being an influencer right. but I, I do think um I do think that they're they're that's one of the things that I, I agree with you. I, I found that to be um, yeah. a little upsetting about, about when Julia acts like that. Yeah, there was a different thing I wanted to bring up um, while we still have some time left. Um, are you familiar with Ayan Hirsi Ali? Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce her name. So, I mean, this show, and I think when you ask now, most people, because of the success of the show and, and the exposure that it's gotten, Julia Hart is almost representative of somebody leaving what she at least calls fundamentalist um, Judaism, the, you know, fundamentalist religion, which happens to be Judaism in this case. And she's speaking out against the repression against women that she experienced, the lack of opportunities that she experienced in that community. And she is obviously receiving pushback mostly from people from that original orthodox community so i don't think that's fair to call that you know the same kind of pushback for, as mainstream pushback um in a lot of ways she's also she's also being embraced even just the fact that netflix um gave her this show and this platform means that the executives at netflix feel that this is a valid um stance to take a valid um perspective and and whatever Oh, I don't think they care about that. I think they care about the money. Well, yes, they care about the money. They don't want to get in trouble. So if they thought this was going to be too controversial or problematic um, or anti-Semitic, then they wouldn't have aired it. I want to contrast that with Ayan Hirsi Ali, who came from, I think it's Somalia. Um, Yeah. Unlike Julia Hart, who experienced, you know, she wasn't allowed to dance. She wasn't allowed to sing in front of men. And that's what she really is upset about. Ayan Hirsi Ali was, uh, she experienced female genital mutilation to her and to, I guess, most of the women that she grew up with. In addition to what she describes as like pervasive and very dangerous sexual assault and harassment constantly um, uh, in where she she came from and grew up and things like that, things that are much more severe than what Julia Hart talks about. And however, when it comes to that example, um, 
Ayan Hirsi Ali, she is like basically on the outs. She is a persona non grata in, in, in standard um, liberal circles. She was supposed to receive an honorary degree from um, Brandeis and she was disinvited because of all the pushback. Um, if, you, if you read like anything from the New York Times, I was just Googling before, she wrote a new book recently um, a few months ago, I think, and the New York Times reviewed it, a scathing review, basically calling into question everything that she says and calling her a hypocrite and whatever. And I just think it's interesting. It's just, I think it just says something about um, the the progressive, let's say, um, narratives that are out there and what's considered okay, what's considered not okay. If you criticize Islam, you're Islamophobic, and Ayan Hirsi Ali is not uh, a valid perspective. But someone like Julia Hart, because Jews are seen to be, pro- uh, this is me filling in the blanks, but I think because Jews are perceived to be a white and be comfortable in America, even right. though they experience by far, according to the FBI, the most hate crimes of any ethnic group in America, that's irrelevant. They're, because they're comfortable, because they're white, it's okay for Netflix to air a show trashing um, uh, what some would say trashing um, her, her orthodox um, upbringing, which I don't think in a million years Netflix would have a similar show uh, about Islam. And that's just something that I'm putting out there. I'm curious if you think that's completely false or if there's something to what I'm saying. Or if it's irrelevant. I, 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 it's interesting. I did, I, as I was watching the show, I was thinking to myself, I'm not really sure what the big deal is. I don't think, as we discussed, you know, I don't think the show is, is as anti-Orthodox as, you know, people, uh, people are making it out to be. But then I was thinking about, you know, okay, what would I, how would I feel if this were uh, another religion? Like, first of all, would I feel like, oh, now I, I feel like the show is making a statement that is against this other uh, religion or fundamentalist, quote unquote, mm-hmm. part of the religion. Um, but also, would Netflix do it at all? Um, and I, again, we're, we're talking, we're going off of instincts, right? My instinct, yeah. right. My instinct is that Netflix wouldn't do it about another Well, religion. for Christianity, I'm sure they would. Good point. <laughs> yes. Uh, other minority religions, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they wouldn't do it because even if I don't think it, make, it does a great job, like I don't think Julia's criticism of orthodoxy actually ends up help, making people walk away thinking critically of orthodoxy. Like I just, I don't see that. Okay. Um, I, I still think they wouldn't do it because I think there's a sensitivity to re- other religions that often there isn't for Judaism. Um, but I, that's just an instinct. I have no idea if that's actually true. Um, mm-hmm. But also, one of the reasons I think that people wouldn't actually walk away thinking such negative things about orthodoxy based on watching the show is because if I watch this exact show and you replace all of these people Instead of talking about Orthodox Judaism, instead of talking about Haimish Yeshivish, my yeah. favorite, <laughs> instead of talking about like Haimish, they were they did this exact same thing, but they were talking about Islam and using the Islamic terms and using the, mm-hmm. the different uh, demarcations of different communities and yeah. whatever stuff like that. I would not at all walk away thinking this is Islam, like, and because I'm not that dumb, well, I don't think other people are would either. You, would you walk away saying, "I can't believe Netflix"? has the show this is gonna cause islamophobia and this is you know a bad idea to put out there no i would just feel like uh, this it is, is so hypothetical it's impossible it's impossible to really i, say d- I don't think, think i would think that netflix did anything wrong i would just be like this is a little okay but do you think silly there would, and do funny you, and do you think there would be a big backlash to it Oh, from the Islamic you know, like, community? Like, like Julia yeah. Hart, throughout the entire show, she's, she rails against, you know, she talks about shaitals a lot and how, like, we had to wear a shaitals. The irony is that a lot of people are saying that she actually wears, they think she wears a wig because her She's hair definitely looks, wearing oh, a wig. Oh, you think she definitely no is? Question. Okay, okay. A hundred percent. Then it's really ironic because, like, multiple times she talks about how the repressive wigs, she points actually to her sister when they're being interviewed together and she points to her sister, like, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but points oh, yeah, to her yeah, head, yeah. to her to her wig. She, like, she still wears one of these. Could you believe it? Right. 
which, by the way, this goes back to my earlier point. Before, it's like, oh, wearing a wig is so repressive. But now she's wearing a wig, and it's just because she wants to look absolutely beautiful and have stunning hair. But it's the exact same well, thing. Well, actually, I could see the distinction. It's like you're, she's wearing it because she wants to wear it, not because she has to wear it. No, she, but she doesn't wear it. Like, I don't think she's wearing it to sleep. Right? Like, the okay. reason women don't Fine. wear full that, faces of makeup whole, to yeah, sleep. That's a side point. But, I mean, you know, so let's say with um, Ilhan Omar, one of our favorite uh, people to talk about, she wears a hijab. Would it be, do you think it would be acceptable for somebody, a mainstream person, to get up and say, like, she has to, she should, you know, she's wearing this repressive thing on her head and it's a sign of patriarchy and, and whatever? What are, what are she doing? And we have to push against this? Like, no way. That, that, would, that would be Islamophobic. That would be hate speech and, and whatever. But we wouldn't think that the show was Islamophobic, would we? Like, wouldn't we just say, like, I'm okay, just, this I, woman is very angry and bitter, and she's saying this extreme... Well, that's Ayan Hirsi Ali. That's Ayan Hirsi Ali. She's, she's completely delegitimized for, for criticizing fundamentalist Islam. And I don't think... I don't... I don't I, I've, I've read some things that she said that are very, very extreme. And I don't think the reason that she's criticized is because she says, hey, guys, I'm against female genital mutilation. And everyone's like, whoa, you're so Islamophobic. She says other very... She says... Uh, let me see well, if I can... she says that in addition quotes. to other things. She says... The, she basically says things like the whole religion is a violent, oppressive religion itself, Islam. I think that's really... Okay, I mean, so... But there's a distinction there. Like, she's not being criticized because she says, hey, there's parts of Islam that I came from that are incredibly hurtful and painful... Well, and like really, really problematic. That's not why she's criticized. I think she's criticizing fundamentalism in the same way that Julia Hart says that she's criticizing fundamentalism. And I'm just pointing out what I see as a double standard, as an inconsistency. But what's the double standard? We all like, and no one, I, I don't, not no one. I think when we watch the show, generally, or if random people are watching the show, everyone might say, yeah, you're right. Fundamentalism is pretty intense and it could be really hard for people living in a repressive society. And it's unfair for women. Okay. Well, people can Google, and I'll, we'll include a couple of links, Leon Hirsi Ali, decide for yourself if you think she's treated fairly or not. Um, maybe just one or two more things about the show that we can talk about. Um, do you think, I mean, would you want to be in a reality show? And combined with that, I think never. is... Uh, never. <laughs> okay, but you know what's actually interesting? Because we talked last week about Facebook and um, social media in general and, and what that's done to society and the dangers of it and whatever. And I think I mentioned last week, somebody I saw somebody say, like, Facebook, the advent of Facebook kind of is like everyone's own personal reality show because a lot of people use it that way to I think 20 years ago it would be very crazy and I remember when Facebook first came out I felt so uncomfortable like people are posting like pictures of their kids people are like talking about their personal lives like that feels so in, in, invasive that feels so inappropriate and, and weird and strange and now it's just commonplace and not everybody does it but it, it's like very acceptable and mainstream and that is basically what a reality show is just taken to a much further extreme you know but but you use social media I think I I would say probably more than I do. Um, do you think that's a fair analogy? Well, the reason I think that reality shows feel different than Facebook is because Facebook, or than social media in general, because Facebook is very, very, very curated, right? Like Facebook is entirely me choosing what I'm posting. And yes, mm. Julia Hart is the executive producer of My Unorthodox Life. So of course she has a very strong say in what the show looks like as well. But it feels like there's a lot more specificity to the choices that people make on social media, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I'm not sure, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly. Like it, feel, it feels really different to me. Like okay. I feel like most people, and when I say most people, of course what, we, what I mean is like my feed or the people that I follow, they're not really posting about the you know, mundane things about their lives. Maybe on Instagram, they're posting their oh, breakfast. What about per personal really family beautiful. stuff? Do, do a lot of people do that? Well, it depends. I mean, so, so would you want to be in a reality show? I assume not, but... Never. <laughs> 
uh-huh. never. You, I would not want yeah. to be a guest at a reality show. I'd not want a reality show about me. It, it feels very stressful. Right. And do you think that it is, um, when it comes to, let's say, minors, like our own specifically, being in the show, do you think that is in some way inappropriate or wrong that, that he was... Uh, I have no idea what the background was of why he's in the show or who had to give permission for it, but do you see anything wrong there? Um, I think in general it does feel weird to be featuring children. I, I definitely see the comparison to featuring children on social media, um, and it's definitely something that I think is, is important, and a lot of parents that, that I know kind of talk about that, of like mm-hmm. how much, you know. And like some parents post like, you know, oh, my kid's having, like, things that could be considered embarrassed later on. Like, right. oh, my kid has this weird rash <laughs> on their butt. Here's a photo. Like, you know, the kind of I thing that you that, can imagine. I haven't seen that, okay, yeah. <laughs> No, I've definitely seen oh, that. Okay. Um, but, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, parents make interesting choices, and I think it's, it seems like a choice that both of the parents made. It's maybe not the choice that I would make, but it doesn't feel like there's, like, such a you simple don't think it's right abusive. or wrong about it. Abusive is such a strong word. It is word, a strong you know? word. Yeah, it is. I don't think it's abusive. No, mm-hmm. I don't think it's abusive. Okay. I think it's not. It's maybe not the choice that I would make. Or it sounds like maybe you. I don't you know. I'm not bad? sure. I, I also don't have kids, so it's it's. I don't have the same kind of perspective. But um, I think it's. I wonder. Not just for Aaron, for all the characters, and I think about this kind of thing a lot. But I wonder if in one year, in five years, in 10 years, will they look back and regret the way they're depicted on the show? Will they be happy about it or will they just not care? I'm not sure. Right. I don't know. I think if I'm looking at Julia Hart's parenting, there are other things that feel like much more <laughs> obvious things that I have to criticize. Yeah. First. And I think, I think especially for kids, part of the reason why people have a problem with it is because kids are still figuring out who they are. They're not, their identity is informed. And if you're on a TV show for millions of people to see saying, this is who you are, then it's, it becomes very difficult to veer off of that because then you're, you're, you know, people are holding you to a weird standard that normal people aren't held to. You know what I mean? So if Aaron wants to stay religious, let's say, he might look back and be so embarrassed by the arguments that he made about why he's religious. If he wants to become not religious, is he going to get hate in the future for being like, oh, you were our last hope to, to stay religious and whatever? Like, I think that's putting right. a, a lot of pressure unfairly on a, on a poor kid. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that people kind of feel like stuck in the persona that they create, you know, even w- willingly or not willingly. Like the, I think, by the way, I think that's an interesting point about social media as well. I think people often think about posting something or not posting something based on, for example, when I, I can think of a lot of friends who, as they change their religious dress, right, mm-hmm. they're either they used to only, let's say, let's go for the most simple example, girls, right? They talk about it on My, Own, My Orthodox Life a lot. There's a big transition pants. when women <laughs> decide to start wearing pants, yeah, if women decide to, to start but, wearing yeah. pants. Um, but I think that's often a big social media decision. There's a, there's a, at least, I know a lot of people who decided to start wearing pants but did not put it on social media, made mm-hmm. a very conscious choice of what pictures they would put up on social media because they had a certain, you know, not brand in the sense of like capital B, but brand. Like they didn't want yeah. people to necessarily know about this part of their lives. Um, so I, I do think that that's an interesting comparison as well. Yeah, it's something to think about. I'm also curious if there's going to be another season. You know what I mean? Like, again, I think we're yeah. both very biased and we have our perspectives. But I think we both are skeptical or have negative perspectives in different kinds of ways about the show. But, like, maybe for the family, they think this is a huge success and this is amazing and they can't wait to do another season. Well, they continue to promote it. Like, I obviously am yeah. looking at all of their social medias yeah. and they've been promoting it nonstop. But I think mostly the reason they're promoting it is because it's good It'll for their business. probably make more money, yeah. It's good for the book. It's good right. for the, you know, if this IPO happens, which <laughs> that feels like manufactured, who knows. Uh, but there's, I don't know, it, uh, uh, 
Ori, at the end of the day, if there's another season, will you be watching it? I'm definitely going to watch it because I just want to know what's out there and what people are talking about. So I will definitely. Oh, so you watch TV? Oh, you watch uh, TV. Yeah, okay. I watch TV. That's what, yeah, no, it's so, so funny when, when Aaron says he doesn't want to watch TV anymore and his mom literally cries because he yeah. says he doesn't want to watch TV. It's like, it's so silly, like how immature she is. Um, yeah. The, the whims of a 14-year-old can be very emotionally intense. All right, bef- before we go, there's actually one thing. There, there, I thought there was one one part of it that actually felt like a little bit real to me okay. and felt kind of interesting to me. Um, and there could be actually a longer conversation about that relates to this piece, but the, the drama that related to Miriam's decision to change her last name. Mm. I actually thought that, that there was something that felt a little bit poignant to me about the conversation that she had with her father, mm-hmm. um, where she... Basically, Miriam makes the decision that Hendler, the name she grew up with, her father's name, doesn't feel real to her anymore, doesn't feel like it represents who she truly is, and she feels like she wants to be Hart. She feels like Hart is really who she is as a person, not just the name she uses on social media, which is, I think all of the kids use the name Hart on social media, maybe not not our own, right, but that she feels like is who she is, and she wants to make that that real change, and she goes to talk to her father about it, and it felt like, to me, that like he was clearly a little... Hurt. A little disappointed, yeah. maybe a little hurt, um, but he kind of says like, if this is you know who Supportive. you are, it doesn't it doesn't affect our relationship. You know, I still love you. You're still my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like her fear to have that conversation was real, and his kind of processing of emotions felt really real. I I I thought I. I don't know. So you're saying it, you appreciated that realness. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's also just because, and I, I'm curious. Last names is something that I think for many people in our generation, especially people who like kind of lean more uh, progressive um, politically or whatever, like it's it's a conversation that I think many women really take seriously as they're getting married, as they're having kids, what decision they're going to make. And everything feels like it's making a statement, you know, like changing your name, uh, every like um. Yeah, all of these things feel very real. You know, like uh, you just got married. Mm -hmm. I just had a daughter. Both of both life events relate to name to names and to name changes. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if when you watch that scene, I have to imagine everyone watching that scene kind of thought about how their parents would react or how their children, real mm-hmm. or future or non-existent at all, yeah. would react to that sort of conversation. Yeah, I hear that. That's that's very interesting. And I agree that that was a, a, a real, uh, semi-real thing. Some, somebody pointed out, like, obviously, reality shows are probably mostly scripted in some way or another. Yeah. This one definitely is. And but what somebody said was these are probably mostly issues that did arise in a real way at some point, And then they were sort of recreated and manufactured for the sake of the show, which kind of, yeah. I, I would I would buy that. And whether or not it's good for the Jews or bad for the Jews, I think that Judaism is rich enough and that whatever form of Judaism a person subscribes to, they should feel confident enough that a, a silly reality show is not going to um, damage your identity. And if you don't agree with the way it's per- per- portrayed or depicted, then then push back and say how, how it's wrong and, and show you, write your own, your own show, maybe not a reality show like that. Maybe we can do a little better than that. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing more things uh, along those lines. I totally agree, Uri. And of course, Julia, if you are listening, we would love to have you on the show. We'd love to talk to you. My first thought was actually like, I want to talk to Aaron, but then I kind of heard what you're saying and like something about it feels a little manipulative. Like he really is a kid. Yeah. And Let like, him think about things for a to... few more years and then we'll talk to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll be waiting for you, Aaron. And of course, the conversation does not end with Uri, me, Julia. We would love to love, love hear from all of you. Join the conversation on our Facebook page, Talking Tacos Podcast. And of course, shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. 
thanks as always to Drive-In Productions. They are the sponsor of this week's episode. And thank you to Triple Threat Trio featuring Rage Brigade. They are the official band of Talking Tachlis. Bye, everyone. Sei gesund. That's me in the corner.